First off, uh, I think we pushed that out of the way. Thank you very much, preacher, for allowing me the honor of, of being able to stand in the, the pulpit here. Do not take it lightly. Anytime a pastor allows a preacher to stand, missionary evangelist or another pastor, to be able to stand in their pulpit, it's a sacred place. This is his desk with God, and I don't take it lightly. Um, Lots of new faces, obviously. Praise the Lord for that. Some familiar ones. It's great to be able to see the faces that we know. And, of course, to be able to see the ones we don't know are, is a great blessing. Preacher kind of gave you a little basics uh, as far as we go back. My wonderful wife, Nancy, sitting in our row, which is the third row back on the left side of the pulpit. And so <clears throat> it was right there that... Uh, <sighs> A little over 20 years ago, pastor preached a very powerful message, and the Lord was dealing with my heart, and uh, I finally gave in in that message, and uh, he was using an illustration that was very impactful, and I white-knuckled the invitation, holding on to the chair in front of me until I finally couldn't stand it anymore, and came up to the altar and surrendered and said, Lord... I'm all yours, whatever you want, I'll, I'll do. Now that was hard, I was raised as a Roman Catholic, I was saved at 26, um, corporate life, business, uh, we had just bought our first home, we were thrilled being here, we were serving everywhere we could, doing what we could do to help out and be part of the ministry, and uh, Miss Nancy was teaching here, and, and it was at the academy, and there was never a desire to go anywhere or leave, but it was a very powerful move during that time. I think it was seven families, seven men, I think, nine men that all got called out within a very brief period. Um, I'm not sure it was even more than a year. Uh, it was such a, a whirlwind of time, and, and God just got into it. And I remember one point, pre preacher got up and said, that's it. That's it. Nobody's allowed to surrender to the Holy Spirit. They're to listen no more to God. <laughs> of course, he was joking and everything, but uh, the Lord used that, and, and, and we went on uh, from there. Now, the funny part is that although I think, I, I don't know if it was um, just all the events that were going on or not, but uh, when I came to pastor and said, I believe the Lord is calling me into the ministry, I don't know that he realized his face gave a look of, no, no, don't see that happening. And uh, he said, why don't you go home and pray about it for a week? <laughs> Come back and tell me if it's still there. And the Lord kept it, and we went from there. Um, and uh, I, I, there's, there's so many things I'd, I'd like to say, but I'm, I'm, you'll never go wrong if you follow a man who follows the book and the God of the book. And if you stick with the King James Bible, where the truth of the Word of God is held, and you continue to follow, just like Paul told all of his churches, follow me as I follow Christ. And we have a pastor. And by the way, he is my pastor. He is the one that I've always called pastor. Just because I'm out pastoring doesn't mean I don't have a pastor or that I don't need a pastor. Um, that never changes. And uh, every Sunday, we have a, a brief text back and forth and, and get to kind of confirm that. I'm supposed to teach you this morning, and, and I guess that's something we should do, and so uh, there's so much more that I would like to say, but that probably is 
not the most important thing right now. So if you'd grab your Bibles and if you'd turn to the book of 2 Corinthians and go to chapter number 3, please. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. <clears throat> There's a, a, a verse in here that I, I, I believe that over these 20 years since we've been gone and nearly 25 since, uh, or, or exactly 25, that makes sense, since uh, getting to come under the ministry of Pastor Bish, I've watched studied, I, I do study the what I consider to be great men of God, he would say no, but in my opinion, he's there. And I would say there's a there's a there's a, a thought in a verse that that really I, I think sums up and there could probably be many, but for me when I look at my pastor, I feel sums up if you will, his heart and that piece of him that maybe were he to say a statement about Jesus, it would be this. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and look at verse 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. So I have a, a, a thought for you this morning, and that is this, Jesus all-sufficient. Jesus all-sufficient. I know he's fond of saying God is good all the time, but when you look deeper into him and you try to say, why does he follow after God? Why does he go towards Christ? You might get some surface answers about, well, because he saved me, because he loves me, because he's good to me, um, because he's, he's blessed me. There, there may be surface answers, but I think if we could peer inside the heart for a moment, you'd probably get an answer that lines up with him saying, because Jesus is all sufficient. In everything that I've witnessed over 25 years that he has gone through as a called man of God, it can be summed up in him following Jesus because he fully believes that Jesus is all sufficient. Now, that's an easy statement, but if you would take a moment and really peel back the onion of that idea and just keep digging in deeper and deeper and get the sufficiency of Christ inside of your mind and of your body and of your heart and of your soul, you would begin to see the depth of that simple statement and what it really means. It's all sufficient to leave a place that you love, a place that you just believe God has established for you that God has put together just for you, custom made, the pieces of it, the parts of it, and call you to a different location, one that is not a familiar location, not a 
place that you necessarily really want to go, a place that you would say, well, I, I don't want that. I've got everything that God would want me to have, I have, and yet why would you bring me over there? Quite honestly, the reality of the truth of the matter, not to hurt anybody, but to face facts square in the face, that it, it was a little bit of a rougher shape. It was a little bit more difficult. There were some challenges and, and, and struggles that, that were known. Not bad, just, just reality, just life. And to leave one to come to the other, to pick up the family and to move and go hundreds of miles away from essentially what you through the Lord had built to come to something that others had put together and then have to step into that role of leading and loving. He needed the sufficiency of Christ. Then the challenges of all the parts and pieces of a ministry with, with an academy, by the way, Churches with schools, that's a whole new animal. It's very different. Having a school connected to a church is a very different situation than just a church and leading through that. And the continuation of living and leading in a state that quite honestly is a difficult state. Connecticut's not an easy to grow church state. The sufficiency of Jesus. There's a lot in that. There's a lot in that time. A lot that I wouldn't say, a lot that doesn't need to be said, but there was a lot that went on. And then to be faced with a health concern, a pretty severe one, one that called in the family, one that shocked all of us. They called in the family? What, what, he was fine. He was just on the beach yesterday. What's going on? You don't lean on people, you lean on Jesus at that moment. He becomes all sufficient because there's no way you can go through that. Continue that on in the battles. And you, you, you know the battles. You understand you've been part of them. You've seen them. You've heard about them. The battles that he's gone through with his health. I know he hates that I'm talking about them, but I guess this is my minute to shine and say it. But you need to understand it. Because truthfully, pastors don't let, we just don't open up like this. We really can't. And then, and then, ah, praise the Lord, your children are going to get married. But man, do they have to? Wouldn't it be nicer? Now, the, the boys, yeah, go on. But then the girls, right? We're, we're staring down the, it's coming up. Grace is, our two youngest are girls. Grace is 18, Anna's going to be 17. She is 17. I, I don't know. They're just at that stage where it's like, no, they need to stop. They just stay at home forever. Then the kids go, and then they get married, and they have to sometimes move away or whatnot. And you, you, you really have to have the sufficiency of Jesus. And then the worst part. Not going to get too deep on that one but to lose your mate, your spouse. Don't understand it. Don't know. The only way you can get through those types of things is Jesus is all sufficient. And after 25 years 
I love the fact that I can say my pastor has not stood tall. He's not a tall man, but he's stood strong. And he's never wavered on his faith. And he's never wavered on the book. And he's never wavered on his stand. Every Sunday morning and some Sunday nights, I turn his messages on because we're an hour different. So while I'm getting ready for things at my church, I've got him and I'm live streaming. You're doing a good job, by the way. I'm live streaming Heritage watching my preacher. And he's preaching the same messages and the same stuff. You know why? Because he put Jesus squarely in the center and said, that's where my sufficiency is. There's going to come a day in your life, if it has not already happened, it will happen, where you are going to need to absolutely have the all-sufficiency of Jesus Christ. For just a moment, if I could tell you probably the most important sufficiency about Christ, and, and the fact that he is all-sufficient means that there are many, many areas in our lives where he is sufficient. But if I could share maybe one that is the most important, and that is that Jesus is all-sufficient for salvation. All-sufficient for salvation. Now, it may be that you're here today and you're already saved. You have come to that moment where you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart. You confess with your mouth. You've accepted him into your life. You've trusted in the shed blood of the cross of Calvary. You can look back at that moment. Oh, what a great day we had yesterday. We went back to up to northeast Connecticut, just Nancy and I. Uh, we, we never get, hardly ever get time alone, but we went up there. And we went and we found... The little church, which wasn't a church, it was, it, it, it was a church meeting in a, in a Masonic temple. How crazy is that? Went and found that, and that's where the preacher ran out after service and asked me if I had questions about Jesus, which I said yes, and then we went and found the house. It was, he had an office in his house. We went and found the house. A little stalkerish. I know it was weird. We were out there taking pictures. Thankfully, I don't think anybody was home. That's where I got saved. That's where I trusted the Lord. I, I, I went back through all of that. He's sufficient for salvation. The reason, number one, is this. He's all sufficient for the price he paid. For the price he paid. There would be no salvation today if it were not for Calvary. When Jesus went to the cross, he paid the price for all those who will trust him by faith for salvation. Died a horrible death upon a cross. A visage so marred and so bloodied of a body and so bruised and torn that you wouldn't even recognize that it was a person. Also, that you and I might enjoy a lifetime walking the streets of gold and in heaven with him. The greatest demonstration of the awesome love of God toward you and me, the image of Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. 
Romans 5, 8 says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That word commendeth means he showed it forth. He didn't just say, I love you. Amen, husbands. Amen, wives. Don't tell me you love me. Complete the honeydew list. Show me that you love me. I must have hit a nerve. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I forget sometimes I'm like home. You have to show love. It's not enough to say I love you. You show love. And God showed forth that love through his only begotten son hanging upon a cross, taking on all the sins of you and me. And while that we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. All sufficient for the price he paid. But also, he is all sufficient for the promises that he made. All sufficient for the promises he made. In regards to salvation, Jesus made several wonderful promises. The first was this, anyone can be saved. I love that fact. Anyone can be saved. Even an old lost Roman Catholic. Hallelujah. Anyone. John 12, 46, he said, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. He came to seek and to save that which was lost in Luke 19, 10. That's the sufficiency of salvation. Not just for the price he paid, but for the promise that he made. And the fact that he was able to keep that promise that anyone can be saved. Also, that any sinner can be forgiven. There's a dying thief on the cross, right? He didn't have to become a church member. He didn't have to get baptized. That's a big thing out in the Midwest where we're living, I say, not from, but where we live. We're missionaries in a foreign land out there. It took me 11 years to get them to get my jokes. I don't know why. I thought they were good jokes, but it's just different. Out there, you deal with a lot of belief that, that being baptized is part of salvation, but it's not. That being a member of a church is part of salvation, it's not. Incredibly important things? Absolutely. Take you to heaven? Nope. If you put any of that there, you've taken away the power, the sufficiency of Jesus. That thief, that day, Jesus said, you shall be with me today in paradise. Nothing else had to happen but his faith. It was a, a, a wonderful promise that day. And, and then also a promise that all who believe receive eternal life. Oh, I can't wait. I tell Nancy all the time, this was great. Married until death do us part. But after that, I'm just going to hang around. I'm going to be with you forever. She's like, no, no. My mansion is next to Walmart in heaven. I said, no, Walmart's not in heaven. Amen. I could go on, but, but, but truthfully, the, the, the fact of the, the, the price he paid and the, the promise that he made, number three, he's all sufficient for the plan that he laid. The plan that he laid. 
Do you ever stop and just think a little bit? If you are born again, if you are saved, stop and think about this just for a moment. If you're born again, you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are living your hell now because your heaven is coming. This is the worst it's going to ever get for you. I'm doing okay then. If this is the worst I have in life, I'm doing okay. This, this is bad. I, I went to Dunkin' Donuts this morning. This isn't bad. This isn't bad. Glory to God, you got one spirit-filled man in your church. He's loud enough to say amen out, there, out loud on that one. Right? But I want you to think of the corollary, the opposite. On the other side of that wall are hundreds and hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands and millions of people that this is their heaven because their hell is coming. Now, if you don't let that impact you on the inside, you may not fully understand exactly the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. He didn't die just so that you could now have it easy. As a matter of fact, he never promised that. He promised the opposite to us. He didn't die just so that we don't have to worry about it. He died for every single person. And there are those beyond our walls that are in desperate need of hearing about the gospel. Want to know why he's here 25 years later? Because there are people out there that need to hear the gospel. And he knows we have to get to them. Church is wonderful, but if it's only inside the building, it's a country club. It's got to be outside. The plan that he laid was not simply a plan that you and I would just get saved and enjoy all the benefits of salvation. No, no, no. The plan was that you would get saved and take that absolutely wonderful, precious truth and that incredible concept, uh, uh, the whole entirety of all of what it means, and that you would go and find another person and you would say to them, listen, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about heaven. Let me tell you what he can do for you. Let me tell you about his sufficiency, how he can get you through the day that you get the phone call that you've got cancer or the day that you're told uh, uh, you've got a health condition or that your spouse is going downhill quickly or whatever that may be or child loss or whatever. That's the sufficiency. It wasn't just to, to just keep on ourselves, but to take that, to feel it, to experience it, to recognize it, and then take that somewhere else. For Jesus Christ knew the sufficiency of God the Father. And he said, we've got to let other people know about this. And came to earth, born of a virgin, grew as a man and went about telling and training everyone that he could. All about a place called heaven. 
a thing called salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. That was the plan that he laid. What about you and I? What are we doing in that grand plan? Have we taken that sufficiency and holding it inside and going, it's just good enough for me? Or are we trying to let other people know about Jesus Christ? Are you trusting Jesus and him alone this morning? Now, if you've not come to that point, today's the day. Today is the day. You know, I thought in the few brief hours I had to prepare for the message. <clears throat> I have one at home just like you. It's awesome. He, yeah, he's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I thought, well, I, I, we could teach, we could get into doctrine, we could spend the entire time looking at the life. I, I, I wasn't sure where to go or what to do. And I, and I realized I'm just going to go back to the basic of what needs to be talked about, and that's Jesus. And in that, I, the Holy Spirit said, and that is what Pastor Bish has done. The sufficiency of Christ. He's realized that Jesus needs to be the center. And he's put him there, and you choose to put Jesus in the center of your life. You choose that. He doesn't force himself on anybody. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. There's a requirement on our part. You put him right in the middle. He's square in the center. You lean upon him and all of his sufficiency. And great things will come to pass. And you can look out a quarter of a century later and you can say, nope, not always easy. Nope, not the way I would have gone. Not the way I would have planned. But look at what God has done. Pastor, I love you very much. Thank you so much for standing by the stuff in the difficult times, in the near impossible times. Being an example, not of a good man, although I believe you are, not of a good person, although I believe you are, not of a, just a good dad, although I believe you are. Not of just a good pastor, although I believe you're the best. But thank you for making Jesus the most important thing and showing him off continually. It's a rock we've been able to go to and stand on time and time again. Love you, preach. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for everything you've done for us, Lord. Thank you for this day.